0: Fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This is the word of the Lord. It's that time of year, isn't it? We feel it this morning as we're outside, the wind's kind of increasing. It's cool, it's crisp. Uh, that crisp air is settling in. The frost, maybe in the morning when you get up, is resting on the grass blades. It's certainly on the windshield of your car when you got to go out there and defrost it and scrape off the ice off your windshield. Uh, the, I know. I don't know about you, but time change always gets to me. You know, about seven o'clock, I'm certain that it's midnight, but it's only seven p.m. But if you go outside this time of year, usually as you go through your neighborhoods, you'll see multicolored lights dazzle on the eaves of homes, cutting through the darkness and the cold of winter. The voice of Andy Williams' classic song, It's the Most Wonderful Time of the Year, maybe playing through your head. It's going to play on repeat on the radio, certainly, for the next few weeks. I believe that that song captures the reason why it is the most wonderful time of the year. Well... And also draws us into the biblical reason for our joy and celebration during the Christmas season. But so much more than Andy Williams and his warm Christmas song, Charles Wesley penned a beautiful Christmas hymn in the mid-1700s that draws our hearts, minds, and emotions into the biblical story of the birth of Christ. It's called, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And it goes like this. Come, thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king. Born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring. By thine own eternal spirit, rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. I hope it's, it's obvious that we don't gather on Sundays to exposit songs or hymns. Rather, we gather around the truth of God's word. However, over the, the next few weeks, we will reflect on classic Christmas hymns, which grant us, I'll say it this way, a window into the biblical story of the birth of Christ. Come thou long expected, Jesus brings about many images in our minds of, of the work of Jesus But a clear connection can be made to this story of Simeon that we read this morning. A holy man, sensitive to the Spirit of God. Notice how many times the passage says, Spirit, Spirit, Spirit. Advanced in years, waiting expectantly for the Savior to arrive. And this morning, we're going to draw three main points of learning from Simeon's encounter with Jesus here in the temple. Number one is that we find this, that Jesus satisfies messianic expectations. What do I mean by that word messianic? That the, the Messiah has arrived, the, the long-anticipated Messiah. You see, there was a lot of unrest in this region at the time. The Jews were waiting expectantly for God to move, for God to provide a conquering king to come and to release them from oppression. And Jesus satisfies messianic expectations. And here's the reality. The reality is this. Whether you acknowledge Jesus as Messiah or not, He is. Whether you acknowledge Him as King of kings and Lord of lords or not, He is. Whether you believe He is the Redeemer sent to save or not, He is. Jesus satisfies and fulfills messianic expectations. The phrase reminds me of an old philosophical question. The old philosophical question goes like this. If a tree falls in a forest and no one is around to hear it, does it make a sound? Well, of course, right? Whether you acknowledge it or not, the truth remains the same. When a tree falls, it makes a sound, even if no one is around to hear it. Jesus fulfills all expectations as the Messiah, even if you fail to acknowledge this truth. He is shown to satisfy the messianic expectations in two specific ways in the story of Simeon that we are looking at this morning the first is his his fulfillment of the law i believe charles wesley captures this truth in his hymn when we when we sing this by thine all sufficient merit by thine all sufficient merit which points us to uh, luke 2 we're going to back up a little bit out of our passage uh to the towards the beginning of this passage in verse 22 then we'll skip back into our passage 27 to 28 and says this and and when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses they this is Jesus' parents brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord okay to do what what they were called to do according to the law now we we transitioned into our passage is going to be speaking from Simeon's perspective now it says and he came in the spirit into the temple. That's Simeon. And when the parents, okay, Mary and Joseph, brought in the child Jesus to do for him, notice this, according to the custom of the law. Now Simeon, it says, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said. What a beautiful picture. In the life of Jesus, we learn this. Actively, passively, And willingly, Jesus obeyed every aspect of the law of God. Jesus is absolutely perfect. He's the only perfect man. And I think the the Christmas story just kind of beckons us to marvel at the fact that, that God descended from heaven and took on human flesh. Here, an old man holding a helpless baby our king our messiah in this story we're confronted with with Jesus's passive adherence to the law he was reliant upon the obedience of his parents to adhere to the jewish law that drew them to the temple in order to hold to the commands of scripture jesus is without sin or disobedience This is incredibly important to our belief. This is why this is important. It's important to our belief and this, the, the assurance of the sufficiency of the sacrifice of Jesus as this, as the perfect, unblemished, and spotless Lamb of God. This was foretold through the prophet Isaiah when he said this in Isaiah 53, 9. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death. Notice this now. Although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Jesus fulfills, satisfies the the expectation that one was coming to save the people of God. To deliver them, to satisfy the demands of the law once and for all. Jesus has done this. He's he's fully satisfied the legal expectation. And also we find something else that he satisfies. He also satisfies the messianic expectation of being this, a comforter. Jesus is a comforter. The lyric says this, Israel's strength and consolation, consolation. The heart of Simeon is captured in this lyric. Right? The, the word expectant comes to mind. Simeon waits expectantly for the arrival of the Savior. For the arrival of, of this, of comfort and consolation. The arrival of, of perfection. The arrival of salvation. Verse 25. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous And devout. I'm going to pause there a second. What does that word devout mean? It means committed. Committed. Simeon was committed to what the Lord had called him to do. He was a devout man. Reading on, waiting for the consolation. We don't use that word very much. What does consolation mean? It means comfort, especially after a loss. Comfort after a loss. She means waiting for the comfort of the Lord, the comfort for God's people, waiting for the consolation of Israel, it says. And notice this, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. We'll be reminded of that a number of times this morning as we look at this passage. You see, Simeon's heart here is not geared toward a, toward a political kingdom. Rather, he desired this. He desired rest in the Lord. And he also desired rest for his people, the people of Israel, God's people. He desired their consolation and their comfort that arrived in this infant, this babe, the radiance of hope in the midst of suffering and oppression and trial and pain. Notice here also that that Simeon was sensitive to the Spirit of God, wasn't he? He was sensitive to the the Spirit of God. I think there's two things that we can learn from Simeon here, if you want to write this down in your notes or off in the margin of your Bible. There's two reasons why he was aware of the Spirit's prompting. The first is this. Simeon knew the Scriptures. He knew the Word of God. And he not only knew it, but he correctly interpreted it. He knew what was coming. Number two, he was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting. It points back to number one. He was sensitive to the Holy Spirit's prompting through what he had learned within the Scriptures. Did you know that, that God works through our intake of Scripture? The Spirit of God recalls back within us what we draw in from the Word of God. It's, it's the importance of us gathering, not around songs, but around the Word of God. It's, it's the importance of that, that great Reformation battle for the Word of God to be translated into language that we can understand so that we could receive it and read it for ourselves. Simeon knew the Scriptures, and he was sensitive to the the Spirit's prompting through what he knew about the Scriptures. And I can just imagine, perhaps the words of the prophet were on his heart and mind as he sensed, through the power of God, the soon arrival of King Jesus. Maybe Isaiah 40, verse 1 was on his mind that says, Comfort, comfort my people, says you God. And so we, we have an, a point of application here. Do you immerse yourself in the Word of God? Do you immerse yourself in the Word of God? Seeking correct interpretation through the Spirit's revealing. We have all we need through God's Holy Spirit and His Word. I, I have fancy computer programs and commentaries and bookshelves of information and scholars that we can email and talk to but i also have all i need in god's word and god's holy spirit within me don't get me wrong i appreciate all those tools and i use them But in the end, the best thing that you can do is you can can sit down with the scriptures and you can pray to God and say, God, would you give me discernment and understanding through the power of your spirit to apply, to take hold of what you have in the scriptures, in the Bible. So many times we want to know, God, what's your will? What do you want me to do? It's right here. It's in the scriptures. And then the spirit of God uses that to point you to help you to walk where you need to go. Is it biblical? Okay, then do it. We need to immerse ourselves in the word of God so that we can be sensitive to the spirits leading in our life. The, the word of God illuminated the life of Simeon through the Spirit of God, so that he could discern and be prepared for God's will. I want to be prepared, don't you? Yes. And there's nothing worse. I can remember back to my elementary school days. You you'd had a book report and you put it off, and the night before, it's like I'd pray to God. I'd open that book like God, would you just put this stuff, please? <laughs> God, i got to get up and do a presentation tomorrow. I promise you, if you just put it in my brain, I'll never do this again, and I'll go to church every Sunday for the rest of my life. <laughs> we can't live like that. It's the slow, steady intake of God's Word. It's immersing yourself with brothers and sisters. who are going to speak God's Word to you. If you have trouble reading, we have all the tools in the world. You can listen to the Bible. In fact, for hundreds of years, most Christians just listened to other people speaking it to them. We have so many tools. Immerse yourself into the Word of God. Just like Simeon did, so that he, he realized this. He realized the satisfaction, the, the fulfillment of messianic ex- expectations that had arrived in baby Jesus. Number two, Jesus satisfies his promise to Simeon, Israel, and the nations. Jesus satisfies his promise to Simeon, Israel, and the nations. Charles Wesley, again, opens his, his famous hymn with this lyric, Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. The the lyric is is a window into this passage. Verse 26 and then 29 to 32, it says this, And it had been revealed to him by what? The Holy Spirit, that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon says this, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation. I want to pause there. That word salvation, in the original Greek, it's, it's a word that we would pronounce soterion. That means this, deliverance from sin. Simeon is saying, I've been delivered simply because I've embraced this child as the Messiah, as the Christ says "My eyes have seen your deliverance from sin." He goes on, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. That's important. Why? It's been prepared in the presence of all peoples. It's not hidden. It's been revealed. It's not some mystical puzzle to be solved. Lord Jesus Christ has been revealed, clear and available. Simeon goes on, he says, a, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Revelation means revealing, made known, Amen. and for glory to your people, Israel. We see in that passage Simeon, Israel, the nations, the Gentiles. Here's the thing. Jesus is the great promise keeper. Thank God. It was revealed to to Simeon by God's spirit that it says this, that he would not see death before the arrival of the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the Redeemer. And and now this this old, righteous, humble, spirit-sensitive man can depart in peace, right? He has met salvation, Has met and and believed, trusted in the Lord's anointed servant. I think there's a lesson to be had here. This, This older man hanging out in the temple, waiting on the Lord, sensitive to the Spirit of God, knowledge of the scriptures. This older guy had a role. Older folks. God's still working in and through you. Did you hear me? I know I should use different words like mature, but sometimes (laughs) older just works. You ain't done yet. You're still here. God's still working through you. Everyone hear this. do, Do you believe Do you trust in the promises of God as Simeon did? And as he was, this is an important question for all of us to wrestle with. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready? These are two important questions because in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus... The the promise not only stands for Simeon uh, of comfort and salvation, of, of perfect righteousness applied, hear this, but it is available to be received by everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. The scriptures clearly teach that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you taken hold of this promise? Do you believe do you understand that the salvation of God is, is available to anyone who believes? Just like Simeon, just like in, in the Gospels, we would learn of, of disciples that would follow after him. These men were Jews, just like believing Jews who have called upon the name of Christ, just like Gentile converts, the nations. Jesus came to save his people and the nations. You and me. And here's the reality. Jesus shows no partiality. No matter your place, position, no matter your sin and shame, no matter what another person has done to you, Jesus came to save you. Right? Sins you've committed, sins committed against you. The blood of Jesus covers all of this. Some of you continue to walk in the shame of your past sins. You don't have to walk with that guilt anymore. The blood of Christ has cleansed you. Some of you walk with the shame of things that have been done to you. You don't have to walk with that shame anymore. The blood of Christ cleanses you. The promise of salvation is available to to everyone who believes. I got to hear a a beautiful funeral meditation sermon the other day, and this passionate older pastor, right? He knew his work wasn't done, sharing the word of God with with people that filled the room, and, and this passage. He proclaimed in that room, he says, whoever confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord will be saved. Simeon believed this and the Lord delivered on his promise, right? God always keeps his promises. And this applies also, not just to Simeon, but in the greater theater of Israel and the nations, right, on the world stage, not only to Simeon, Charles Wesley sang these words. He says, Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Hear this, dear desire of every nation, joy of every longing heart. This is fulfilled in the ministry of Jesus and made clear after the resurrection and ascension of Jesus in the book of Acts. We can't stay with baby Jesus the whole time this morning. After Jesus was crucified and he raised from the dead, early on in the book of Acts, he he ascends to heaven and he commissions his disciples to go forth and to spread the gospel. And early on in Acts chapter 2, we we witness the spirit-empowered apostolic ministry of Peter. And he preached... Jesus as the satisfaction, the fulfillment of the promise of salvation to both Jew and Gentile. We see those both in Acts. Acts 2.22 simply says this, Men of Israel, hear these words. It's the day of Pentecost. Many Jews had come to Jerusalem. And, and here, Peter, under the, the power of the Spirit that has now filled him, is a bold proclaimer of this truth. Men of Israel, hear these words. And then he shares the gospel with them. And then later on in Acts, so the, that's the Jews, that's the Israelites. Later on in Acts, he's ministering to Gentiles, and he says this in Acts 10 34 to 35. So Peter opened his mouth and said, Truly, I understand that God shows no partiality but in hear this in every nation hear this anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him Jesus keeps his promise to Simeon to Israel and the nations lastly the the importance of Jesus' life beyond his infancy proves this that he will satisfy all of his promises Jesus will satisfy all of his promises. Wesley, again, reveals a great promise of Scripture in our song this morning when he says, Raise us to thy glorious throne. Raise us to thy glorious throne. But how can we be so certain of this truth? Doesn't it seem silly to place our hope in a baby? And the reality is, we don't. In, in all of our excitement around, around Christmas, and rightly so, we can't lose sight of the whole gospel. Again, this, this infant will satisfy the expectations of, of the coming Messiah. This infant will, will and, and continues to satisfy his promises to Simeon and Israel and to the nations. But why and how? The truth is found in the gospel, what we call the good news about Jesus. And and Simeon here in this passage gives us a little kind of sneak preview of what's coming. He pulls back the curtain a little bit. 33 to 35 says this And his mother, or his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. That's Jesus. And Simeon blessed them. And then then he he looks at his mother. He said to, to Mary, his mother, Behold, This this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed. What's Simeon getting at? He's giving us a sneak preview of what's to come for Jesus. He's going to be put to death on the cross. Because he goes on. He's talking directly to Mary now. He says, and a sword will will pierce through your own soul also. We're taken now from, from the baby Jesus being held by, by Simeon, and, and Simeon praising God, now we're taken to the bloody cross. And Jesus is on the cross, and his, his, his blood is being shed, is pouring out, and, and at the foot of the cross, who's there? His mother weeping, and his beloved disciple. And he says, this is your mother. This is your son. A sword will pierce through your own soul also. So that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Sim, what's Simeon getting at here? He's saying the gospel is the dividing line. You can't ride the middle with Jesus. Jesus. You're either with him or you're against him. You're either all in or you're not. There's too many Christians that want to play the middle. we can't do. The Word of God doesn't allow us to do that. He says, "The thoughts from many hearts may be revealed." What is the revealer? It's the gospel. The gospel is encapsulated in these powerful verses. The, the life, death, it says he will be opposed and resurrection of Jesus will reveal the hearts of many. The, the question is this, have, have you found satisfactions, satisfaction in, in the promises that belief, that's faith in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus grant you? Have you found satisfactions in the promises of his word? One of those things that we can take hold of is, have you, have you found rest and comfort in the Lord Jesus? It's what we sing about in, in Come that Long Expected Jesus. It's, it's what Simeon speaks of when he says he was, he's waiting for Israel's consolation, for the comfort, for the rest that comes in the Messiah. Have you have you embraced the rest and comfort that the Lord Jesus provides for you? That he he has satisfied the demands of the law. He he has granted for us comfort. He has granted to us, as we learned in Philippians, peace that surpasses all understanding. Have you found this? Have you found the certainty of salvation that it that is found in the Lord Jesus alone? We have assurance of the belief that we have. That Jesus is who he said he is. How do we have that assurance? Because he raised from the dead. Because he's alive. Peter, emboldened by the spirit of God, preaches to reveal the hearts of many in Acts chapter 2. The question for us is, will you decide to follow Jesus and embrace his promises or not? Peter says this. The word of God says this. Acts 2, 22 to 24. The Bible proclaims this. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, okay? These men had seen Jesus at work. That's what Peter's getting at there. Again, it's, it's not some mystery. It's not some mystical code that we have to figure out. It's apparent and clear the way of salvation is through Jesus, Peter goes on, as as you yourselves know, says this Jesus delivered up according to the, this is beautiful here, the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. I gotta pause and go back here. Delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. Of God. It was not a mistake that Jesus was nailed to the cross. It's God's glorious plan for all of eternity. God takes into account every single variable. Then he said, You crucified and killed. Now, when we read a passage like this, we want to sit back as the audience and see the play on the stage. Peter's talking to the Jews. They killed Jesus. Do you know what the truth of the matter is? When Peter says you crucified and killed there's a song we sing that says it was our sin that held him there. I know we don't want to wrestle with this, but we have to wrestle with the truth that it was our sin that nailed Jesus to the cross. And we wrestle with that because it reveals his great love for us. Who would die for their enemy? God. God does. In Jesus. We crucified Jesus. You say, I wasn't there with the hammer and the nails. It was the Romans. It was the Jews. No, it was our sin that held him there. It says, by the hands of lawless men. You See, but, but the end of the story isn't blood. The end of the story isn't death. Peter brings us All the way through, he says, hear this. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death. This is cool. Because it was not possible for him to be held by it. You can't kill God. There's a few things here I want to point out. I point to this passage because it's the result of the Spirit of God moving in us. We see Peter as an example that we will proclaim the gospel as the way of salvation. That's what Peter's doing here because he has the power of God within him. We will proclaim the gospel as the way of salvation. We learned what salvation was earlier is deliverance from sin, satisfaction of God's wrath, toward sin. And also this passage gives us insight into the great promise of the resurrection of Jesus as this, as the first fruits for those who believe. We're promised, right? We're talking about the promises of God that he will keep his promises. We are promised the same thing that Jesus already has, to be raised to life again. I tell you what, every time I go to the funeral of a believer, I'm thankful for that message. I get to see my mama again. I get to see my father-in-law again. I get to see all the brothers and sisters at North Bullock Christian Church that have gone to be with the Lord since I've come here. I get to see them again. Have you taken hold of that promise? Jesus is the forerunner of what is to come and this will be delivered. Hear this. Jesus is coming back. This is the promise that that he will satisfy, that he will fulfill and that is guaranteed because of his defeat of sin and death in the resurrection. This isn't just a Christmas story this morning. This is an Easter story. This is a resurrection story. So, so how do I grab hold of these promises? Right? Simeon is, is promised rest, comfort, consolation, and salvation. I want some of that. Who's with me? Peter and Acts preaches on. Interestingly enough, these men that he's preaching to, their mind starts to stir. I'm hoping your mind's stirring this morning. Verse 37 to 39. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. Let me remind you what they heard. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. You crucified and killed. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, hear this, for the forgiveness of your sins, for the deliverance from sin, for salvation. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Isn't that a big, beautiful family together? Family, it's time to take hold of the promises of Jesus. Jesus. The first thing we we have to wrestle with is, is if you're here this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, what in the world are you waiting for? Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready to take hold of true comfort and rest and peace? Man, I've walked through some stuff with some people over the last few years. And those who are followers of Jesus, they have, again, what the scriptures call a peace that passes understanding. It's another thing. If you do... If you have taken hold of the promises of God, if you take in the word, taken the promises of, of belief in Jesus, take hold that he has in fact forgiven all your sins. Take those things. Take in the word of God. Take in the promises of belief in Jesus. Take hold of the fact that he has forgiven all your sins. Hear that again. Jesus has forgiven all your sins. They're gone. Take hold of the fact that he is the comforter. Take hold of the fact that he is our deliverer. And he has indeed delivered us from the penalty of sin, which is death. Through belief in Jesus, we can take hold of these promises. We can lift our eyes from the manger to the empty tomb, and we can sing these words together. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Amen.